Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. If you would like a candle or Bible, I invite you to pause this recording and go and get those and then return. Our text this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with chapter 9, verse 35, and going through chapter 10, verse 23. My sermon today is titled, Reckoning. An ongoing note on worship, 7th Avenue will continue to hold worship services virtually. We don't yet have a reopening date. Our staff and leadership council are prayerfully discerning what that might look like when it is safe to do so and how to live into being the church even now. We continue to review information on best practices, guidelines and recommendations put out by the CDC, the PCUSA, and San Francisco Presbytery, as well as city and state orders. We want to make sure the 7th Avenue community thrives and stays connected, so we are looking for your feedback. A short three-minute survey has been emailed out, and we hope you will respond. For those interested, we will have an 11 a.m. Zoom social hour the last Sunday of each month. At the beginning of social hour this month, we will also have a congregational meeting to vote on the nominees for leadership council, as well as my updated terms of call. So we invite you to put June 28th on your calendar. If you have been financially impacted as a result of the pandemic and are in need of assistance, please contact the church office. And for our complete announcements, click the related hyperlink in your email. Now, in preparation to worship, you are invited to quiet yourself, becoming still, as you prepare to worship God. Will you come and follow me, if I but call your name? Will you leave yourself behind and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my life be grown in you, and you in me? We will live and love and grow in you. This is our prayer. Let us worship our God, who calls each of us by name. Amen, amen and, and amen. amen. Here 
Creator, we know that you are the God who seeks and finds us. You summon us to follow you, and sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. Forgive us for forgetting your call. Help us find our way once more. We make this prayer in the name of the one who is the Christ. Amen. God anoints us with love. Touching our eyes, our hearts, and our minds. Enabling us to see in new ways. So we might offer love to others. Friends, all that has separated us no longer exists. In, in Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ we are, are forgiven. forgiven. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, beginning with verse 35. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God of abundance, send your spirit upon both the reading and hearing of these ancient words, that we might hear your fresh word for us this day and live into the hope it carries. In the name of the risen Christ, we pray. Amen. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaanian and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
A continuation from the Gospel of Matthew. Listen for the word of God. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your God speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Humanity comes. Here ends the reading. Like many of you, I have been taking in a lot of images and words, a lot of videos, statements, and reflections on racism. Some hit home, some landed more like spam. And, like many of you, I have been asking, what now? What do I do? What does 7th Avenue do? Of course, we've been here before. We've asked the same questions before. And we've dipped our toes in the water of working for change within and beyond ourselves. We've read books, held classes, marched, written letters, made calls, supported prison reform, made overtures of solidarity. We've come forward in earnest and attempted to see clearly our own internalized racism and our own biases, the dust encircling us, the air we've breathed. And we know there is so much more work to do. It is of imminent importance. We have heard the cries of our black sisters and brothers. It is a moral failure to delay. For indeed, justice deferred is justice denied. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read of a time when Jesus was the one doing the work. He was the shepherd. We were the sheep. He took on the impossible task of traveling from town after town, performing the miracles. He was the long-awaited one. We were not. But then something changes. He invites us into another way of understanding the work. Like a shepherd attentive to those in need of care and protection, he has paid attention to those who have been oppressed and pushed to the ground. And from somewhere deep in his gut, he has been moved to respond. 
but the more he saw, the more it became clear this was not a situation to be managed by a shepherd alone. This was the family farm at Harvest. For those who know Harvest, and the people of Jesus' time did, there is urgency in getting every possible community member to respond. Those who have been away are called back to help. Those who have been focused on other tasks understand harvest takes priority. Their own well-being and that of the community depends on it. So he turns to those who have been paying attention and he tells them, now you must go about doing the work too. I know you aren't as equipped as you'd like to be, and it will be hard. I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves, so be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. But the harvest has come. There is no other option. I know you worry. You won't know what to say. The words will come. And just as your labor is required, the towns know their responsibility as well. For, we are reminded, when a guest arrives, whether stranger or not, the people of the town were to receive them, shelter them, provide food and protection. This was just as ingrained as showing up for harvest. So they go. Those who have worked for a long time against Rome's knee on their neck. People like Simon, the Canaanian, and those who made a living off of Rome's systems of oppression, like Matthew, the tax collector. They go too. They go not only to proclaim the sovereignty of heaven has come near, but to do the work that long-held dream requires. There is an interviewing tool social workers use when a call of concern is made on behalf of a child's welfare. They give the child a picture of a house. They ask them, who lives in their house? What are the rules? What are the secrets? Then they give them another house and ask them if they were to make the house of their dreams, what would they create? Who would live there? What would the rules be? Who would visit? And what would they need to feel safe? It is quite illuminating, sometimes painful, often revealing of the strength of their love. We could do a similar exercise, making visible all the unspoken rules, all the secrets, and what we dream. The abuse of power that resulted in the calls of concern should never have happened. We know that. We know that when looking at a child. We know that when looking at our own experience. It never should have happened. And once the bowels of our being awaken to the kind of pain being inflicted on other human beings, there is no option but to respond. Harvest has come. The fear of not having the right response or the words to speak can be immobilizing. Jesus and the apostles knew this fear too, 
and needed support in overcoming it. Each of us has our own history, our own relationship to racism and other systems of oppression. My experience being targeted as a woman is not the same as it would be if I were a black woman or another person of color. It has been helpful for me though to consider the rage of injustice I know and the response I still want, even from those who don't get it, even when they try. I think about all the ways I have worked to educate others, the hours spent working to change systems. I think about all the ways I work to advocate for myself and other women, to make clear, especially to the men I love, why my experiences of injustice need to be understood and addressed. I think about all the conversations, all the re-explaining, all the moments when I nearly lost it, and those when I actually did. I think about the inevitable dialogue that returns, revealing what I thought was finally understood wasn't. And when my heart falls to the ground, I feel the anger and betrayal that the injustice was ever allowed to happen and that they did nothing to stop it. It is a fire that won't be satisfied, as if I am re-experiencing the trauma for the first time all over again. As deep as the disappointment runs that they didn't get it, I still want them to try. I still want them to work to understand, to learn more. I do not want them to think they are the expert, certainly not on my experience. But I want them to invest in taking responsibility, to pay attention when it's happening, to notice, to care. I want them to stop participating in it, to actively work against it in their own minds and bodies. I want them to model changing the norm. And when I say something is important to be addressed, I want them to take it seriously, to trust my experience is real, to stand with me, stand with me when I'm there, when I'm angry and need to be heard, stand with me when I'm not there, when they're in their inner room, because they get that it matters because they get it causes me pain, because they care about stopping it for me, for them, for us. And when they're ready to get into action to intervene, I want them to ask if their solution actually makes me feel safe. And if I say no, I want to be able to trust that they won't. I want to be able to believe in them again. I want them to work alongside me to make the dream of a just world possible. Knowing this requires me to stand with those who face other forms of oppression. It requires me to stand with those who are targeted by racism. In all the healing 
and restoring and cleansing that Jesus did. He often asked whether the one to be healed believed it was possible. And when they said yes, it happened. Do we still believe the sovereignty of heaven is possible? Ill-equipped though we might feel, harvest has come. So be it. Amen. We believe in God who entrusts us with the gift of life to be received with gratitude and to be pursued with courage that we might develop and protect the resources of nature for the common welfare, work for justice and peace in society, and use our creative powers for the fulfillment and dignity of life. We believe in Christ who emboldens us to seek the highest good in devotion to freedom, peace, truth, and beauty, as we receive and uphold one another in all relationships of life, in employment, housing, education, leisure, marriage, family, church, and the exercise of political rights. We believe in Holy Spirit, who empowers us as emissaries of peace to seek the good of humanity, in cooperation with powers and authorities, and to fight against pretensions and injustices when these powers endanger human welfare, that each person might have joy and respect for their own humanity and for others. This we believe. Amen.
loving God in whom we live and move and find our being. It is indeed right to give you thanks and praise in all times and all places, even here, even now. You are God of light who walks in the darkness with us, and for this we are thankful. So we pray this day for this earth, our planet home, praying your spirit dwells upon all places of fear and despair. Work through those speaking out for justice. Work through those listening and learning and yearning to do better. Work through those offering food to the hungry. Work through those who support the lonely and work through us, dear God. We pray your spirit will bring peace and wholeness and life as we move through these days together. We also pray for all those of our beloved 7th Avenue community, those on our prayer circle and prayer concerns. And now in silence, we voice our own prayers for the world, ourselves, and for those whom we love. We make this prayer in the name of the Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Source of grace and mercy. 
The way forward is not easy, but it's worthwhile. Indeed, it's necessary. Let us believe in the dream of a just world and work alongside one another to make it happen. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.